Recorded on April 20th. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can say numbers. Yeah, that's so good. Go ahead. Recorded on the end. Recorded on April 12th, 2022. Moving forward. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I'm Pamela. And we're here to talk about midterm posturing, Brevard's political update, and a cool technique that may save your family members from the QAnon cult. So excited to hear that. Yes. Yeah. So first off, we have the elephant in the room, where we need to talk about stuff that's newsworthy, but not discussion worthy. Yeah, the first one is... Trump endorses Dr. Oz for Senate. Mm -hmm. for and what's the line for that? The hack endorsed the quack. I love that. The <laughs> hack endorsed the quack. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so let me reiterate. He still does not live in Pennsylvania. Nope. Uh, Dr. Oz doesn't live in Pennsylvania? No. Yep. And how's he getting away with that? I guess you, as long as you're willing to move after you win, if you win an election, you can live anywhere, theoretically. Yeah, pretty much. And as long as you have a mailing address that will not reject mail. So he might have property. And then I've seen one of his attack ads he's going against. He's attacking the other Republican for, I guess, not being Trumpy enough. I really it's hysterical watching all these Republicans, even here locally, trying to figure out who is going to be out Trump the others so they can win the far right. And I think they're reading the room wrong. And I'm fine with that. Keep reading the room wrong, y'all. Keep reading the room wrong. It is definitely a gamble. The thing about the Virginia governor race that people are reading is that a Republican governor who wasn't particularly Trumpy won. And so people are saying that's proof that Trumpy Republicans are going to lose. I don't know. He was very, the Virginia guy was very Trumpy. The governor? Yeah. Well, he was, but he, he kind of walked it back in yes. his presentation yeah. style to win over the suburban voters. Yes, he did. Um, it's so funny. I keep hearing from everybody. This is why Democrats lose. I'm like, if I had a nickel for every reason that people think Democrats lose, I would be the wealthiest Democrat in town. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so for them, they they did. They they tried to moderate their, pre which should tell us that even they know they're too far right. They, yeah. they, they're not going to win suburban. Oh, voters. another elephant in the room that I did not add to the show. Madison Cawthorn and his crazy antics in interviews. Tell me. The last one that I saw from John Oliver was a couple years ago, and it's now a deleted Instagram post, but of course the internet saves everything. He bragged about going to Hitler's private residence and I said see, that. Yeah, I see, did see that. Yeah, go on. And said that it was a not to miss and quietly, yay Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fascies get bashies. <laughs> Well, the other good news for women, Biden nominated the first woman to lead a military branch, Admiral Linda Fagan from the Coast Guard. So true confession. I have seen every West Wing episode the entire season. Ten times like over. Five times at yeah. least. And so I just assumed we'd had a woman leading a military branch because he did. Right. Like and that was a long time ago. No, she, no, she was the NSA. Oh, OK. Nancy McNally. Yeah. Thank you. Nancy was OK. So well. On Madam Secretary, they did have a woman leading the Joint Chiefs. Well, there you go. Yeah. So I just assumed it was real life. But finally, 12 years later, life is imitating art. That's pretty cool. Does, do we think she's going to get the approval, get the nod? Yes. Yeah. So. I will say another 
elephant in the room we didn't talk about while we're talking about somebody getting approval, the new justice, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, like so amazing and exciting that it's official. And Lindsey Grant was on Twitter saying that it wasn't fair because of how poorly the Dems treated those last two nut jobs. Uh, hmm. And yet he has no problem. He can't obviously remember that they wouldn't even give a, a hearing to Garland, to Merrick Garland, who was a moderate yeah. pointy by Barack Obama. And Mitch McConnell said, nope, we are not going to hear because it's a year and a half from the elections. So I'm sorry, Lindsay. Yeah. Lindsay Graham, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, but your team started this. There's yes. been, if I keep saying retribution politics is a bad idea and you are living proof. Right. This is an example of picking up an arrow fired by the enemy and using it against them. Because removing the filibuster for for Supreme Court justices was a Republican move by Mitch McConnell. Yes. But regardless, she got the nod. She did. did. History has been made, or as I keep saying on social media, her story has been written. Yep. And we will all be the better for it. I'm quite. Yep. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for her dissents because she will take up. I can't wait for her essence. I just can't wait to hear what she can do. In the courts. Mm-hmm. The next news, Direct TV is finally cutting OAN from their channels. I saw that when you put this in the notes. So tell me about that. Well, if you don't know what OAN is, good. OAN is worse than Fox News. It's run by Russian oligarchs. It is 10 times worse. And what does I would it literally stand for One American News. Okay. It started, I, I believe, ATT actually was a major funder of yeah. OAN, except that. It was so extreme that they didn't outright announce that they were supporting OAN. And so it wasn't until there were financial disclosures that AT&T needed to distance itself from OAN. And those financial disclosures came as a result of voting machine cases. Yep. Because OAN carried the election steal rigged election lies to such a degree that AT&T needed to distance itself to not be involved in the billion dollar payouts that they were justifiably asking for. But I believe that AT&T dropped OAN and actually as a result of DirecTV. Well, DirecTV is AT&T. AT&T is a majority owner of DirecTV and that they have responded apparently. And so because they were moving to drop them, OAN has essentially said that we can't continue as a business if DirecTV drops us. Good. Darn. Yeah. One less propaganda channel out there. Yeah. There's still Newsmax, though. And then the last bit of good news. Biden has suspended student loans until after the summer. I saw that. So it was May. It was through May. Right. And Mm -hmm. so what made him change his mind and extend it through the The, summer? People are still. Is there a deadline now or is it just through the summer? I think there's like August 30th. Yeah. There were demonstrations out there. Legal scholars, which by Warren. the way, we are not. No. But legal scholars have said that it is doable. Senator Warren has said it is doable. And she is probably the person who knows most about government financial yeah. policy. She's been saying that since she was running for. Realistically, I think that as long as he can get away with it, he's just going to. He's going to kick that can down the road. But I think yeah. what he wants to do is that he wants to wipe away student debt as ringing the bell and then let that bell ring through elections. Well, yeah, no, he could be like, hey, I'm going to kick this from August to the end of November. If we win better majorities in the Senate, it's gone. He can do that without the majorities. I think that he needs to toss meat to his struggling Democrats. Yes, he does. And I think that this is something that is easily within yeah, his power. Yeah, I think that's probably why he's doing it. Yeah. Yep. Any help. 
any help. help because tons of my friends it helps a lot of people it's very meaningful and if he had done it in 2021 i think that people would have forgotten about it by now yeah because a couple of things have happened since then so but it's good news for everybody that's another three months that people don't have to worry about food versus defaulting right. i mean it's a terrible time to reinstate them right now or in May. And that gives us an extra couple of months to get the economy back on stable footing, which is obviously trending in the right direction. More new hires, more new jobs created last month than ever in history. And gas prices are ticking back down. So yes, a couple of months to get for people to get their feet under there. Okay. So moving towards the midterm. Yeah. Let's talk about moving Biden towards the midterms. Biden keeping those loans from defaulting for lots and lots of millennials. That's nice fodder for the 2022 midterm elections. Yes. So it is interesting to watch this process. So as someone who isn't involved in running campaigns or getting people elected or any of that stuff, it's interesting watching how the parties begin to posture themselves as they move into election years. And right now we're seeing a whole bunch of bills that are really good ideas that we all have just about every guarantee of the Senate not actually passing. Right. Right. So Pelosi is pushing bills that she knows are nationally popular. Mm -hmm. 80 percent. Yeah. The first bill that got her news was, of course, in the past week was decriminalizing marijuana. Which is not legalizing marijuana. No. It's a federal decriminalization because it's already legal in some states, but when it's not federalized, it's a problem. Yes. So they've done that. They've, of course, since 2019, tried to pass any and every Voting Rights Act, even though they know the Senate's going to block it. At least they can be like, hey, if you want these things, they're all ready to go in the Senate. We just need the senators, different senators to get it. What she's doing is she is bundling up political messaging. So we pass this law in the House that will cap insulin cost and we'll cap this and decriminalize that and we'll bring these benefits. But if they can manage to bring these to a floor vote in the Senate, then either, which is unlikely given. Well, Schumer's doing them for some like the insulin one. Right. So people can be like, your senator voted against cheap insulin. Well, they already did that, right? Then the House already voted down. No, the House voted to approve. Schumer brought it for a vote. Oh, sorry. Didn't the House already vote down the insulin? Because I've seen that as a conversation Mm -hmm. already. So Mm -hmm. what did the House vote? They voted to approve insulin caps at $35. The Republicans didn't vote for it, though. Like Posey did not vote for it. Um, 12 Republicans in the House did. Got it. Right. And then Schumer immediately brought it for a vote. And now they can use that to run like we can use Marco Rubio voted no to cheap insulin right. for you, mm-hmm. which he did. Yes, pretty much. That's not just using it. That's just what he said. Yep. Yeah. So Marco Rubio wants you to pay hundreds of dollars each month for insulin if you are dependent on this life saving drug. Yes. So in other words, Nancy's taking the hits. She's ready to go to bat. Cool. I will say the far progressives, including Cory Brooker, which doesn't come necessarily, people don't know that, are for legalization of marijuana, not just decriminalization, but still decriminalization well, of the conversation that really should happen. Like think of yeah. the tax revenue involved with all of that. But that's yeah. the whole thing is Congress isn't going to do exactly what you want them to do. They have to take steps. And by taking the baby steps, decriminalizing. So we're going to get prisoners out. For marijuana, we have to restructure the entire plant. Yes. Because marijuana dispensaries have to have it in cash. They cannot use credit. They cannot store it in a bank. 
That's why all these marijuana dispensaries get robbed. I mean, I think they'll pass. I think if if Pelosi takes this to the floor, it's going to... No, it passed. It It passed two weeks ago. Right. Which it's also her cementing her legacy as Speaker of the House because she is stepping down. This has been in the works for years. Yeah. But she's not, not going she's to see. Yep. She's 80. It is really hard to be Speaker of the House. No Speaker of the House ever gets elected president because you have to make too many unpopular decisions. Yeah. Yes. But she's doing what she can to appeal to vulnerable districts. Yes. And so by taking laws. And so, again, you know, this is something that I, I try to bring up whenever possible, is that both political candidates, political politicians, and generally people assume that everyone around them is more conservative than people actually are. Yeah. And so by passing laws that resonate with a lot of people that don't actually gain traction, this is a way of signaling to people that we are just as liberal as you want us to be. And even the progressives are giving her props for certain things. I think AOC came in and realized this is the reason I'm still call myself a Democrat. Yeah. While I have farther left leanings, I know that right now we have to work within the system. Yes. Right? Yeah. So she's getting us more and more progressive with every bill she passes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about shifting that Overton window. Yes. Where for the past... I don't know how many years the political discussion has shifted more and more towards corruption is okay. Yep. To the point that Republicans are openly corrupt and absolutely nothing happens. And people are like, "Ah, that's just how it is. That is a symptom of the Overton window being shifted so far towards autocracy. Yep. And so it takes active efforts like this to actually bring that back to something that approaches center. Yeah. So we can count from... When she got power in 2019, what she's done, she has passed House Bill 1, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. She has passed the George Floyd Police Act, which would go more for different trainings, provide more funding for diversity, anti-escalation and all of that fun stuff. She passed that. She passed Build Back Better. She got it passed. Mm -hmm. She, She got Build Back Better passed in November. She has everything going. She's like, hey, I'm passing this stuff. I need some help in the Senate. Yeah, she is actively trying to make people's lives better as she can from a federal level. Yep. Cool. That's why I will always love Nancy Pelosi. I mean, the woman's tough and she knows how to get her job done. Yep. So next is what is happening on our local political scene. There is so much, you guys. Oh, boy. We kind of have to start. A little bit at the state level, because we keep looking at this, what we imagine is a juggernaut that is Ron DeSantis. And, you know, all these bills that they passed in the last legislative session, you know how many lawsuits they're facing right now? All of them? Almost all of them. The the Don't Say Gay bill is being challenged, challenged in court. Um, the ACLU is watching that. The Stop Woke Act? The Anti-Woke Act is being challenged. The voter suppression bill that they passed two sessions ago has already been a 288-page dissent Oof. saying, nope, is illegal. You can't do that. And you're on probation for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's going to challenge that as well. Of course. So if you look at his actual record, when they lose something, they just don't talk about it. Yeah. And we don't talk about it enough to say, hey, by the way, they lost this. So that was a 288-page ruling that gutted central parts of that. They also put us in the 10-year grievance situation. The state's going to appeal that, of course. And Governor DeSantis says that that's performative partisanship. Like, please. Yeah, like passing the law wasn't. Right. <laughs> everything he's done is in partisanship performance. Anyway, so everything is being challenged 
in court. And I think a lot of it's going to be thrown out. And you know how much money that's costing us? A lot. A lot of money. So they're passing these laws. And when they pass them, they know they are going to be challenged in court. Like nobody could possibly think that the Don't Say Gay Bill isn't going to be challenged by the ACLU. And so they write them, they pass them, including all of your local state representatives and, and state senators all voted yes for those bills. Every, and would you like for me to name them? That's Renee. Actually, Renee Placencia voted against the Don't Say Gay Bill. He's also <laughs> not running next. I mean, he actually had termed out, but he's retiring from politics completely. So he voted against it. He's a Republican from Orlando. Tyler Soros voted for it. Thad Altman voted for it. And I know this will shock you. Randy Fine voted for it. <clears throat> so every one of these people vote for these laws, knowing they're going to be challenged in court and we are going to pay that bill. Yep. You know, they can just say whatever they want, vote with, vote, vote with impunity because they know we are going to pay the price. I wish to be a lawyer on retainer for the Republican government. <laughs> well, also the news from the state level is Ron DeSantis gets to write his own congressional yep. map. The state legislature said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. And you can have whatever you want in your, in your district. And they're going which to will use... be challenged in court. They're I going to you, use colorblind. Right. I promise you the state party attorneys are ready and, and chomping at the bit. So also locally, honestly, everything locally does have a connection to even Ron DeSantis. Silly as that seems, I don't think anything happens at Brevard that he doesn't know about. We know that County Commissioner Brian Lober resigned and DeSantis is able to appoint his replacement. Now, the conversation they're having at the county commission level is to not replace him because the election is going to be in this November. And they theoretically have it in their purview to do so. However, that leaves 20 percent of our county without direct representation. Um, they would have a, somebody that was on staff with Mr. Lober would be helping the other county commissioners with issues that relate to that county, that district. Uh, meanwhile. The person we all thought DeSantis was going to use to appoint him, his name is Tom Goodson, a former state representative, is now running. So there are currently one, two, three, four Republicans running for that seat in the fall. Brian Lober is one of them. I don't think he'll run. Um, and there is an NPA who is wackadoodle. <laughs> currently yeah. running for the seat in District 2. So, And a lot of our county is not represented, and I'd re really love to make that change. Yes, that um, would be nice. That would be really good to get the diversity that is our county. And especially District 2. Yes. Um, there's a large part of District 2 that is not being seen in their county commission. So speaking of county commission, back to the recall possibilities for our county charter. So again, gentle listener, our county has a weird charter. I think we're one of two counties in the state and with this particular type of charter. And within our charter, it gets reviewed every six years. So the county commissioners each select three people to represent them on the county commission charter review board. And they, with an unbiased mind, try to discover whether there are issues that should come before the voters this fall. They don't actually get to change the charter. They get to decide what we get to vote on in the fall. Right. But everyone votes yes. And hang on to, well, hang on to your lovely little voters guide. We have gotten things to not pass. Yeah, and we will again this time. Yes. So a couple of things that they're trying to do. Blaze Tredis, who is your public defender, which is insane to me now that I know who he is, he is presenting the opportunity to recall school board members. We talked about this last time just to bring everybody up to date. School board members cannot be recalled anywhere in our state. Honestly, I think they should be able to be recalled. I think every elected official should be able to face recall. And that includes Governor DeSantis and state representatives who currently cannot be recalled. But, so I think all should be. But that's not something that you can, you're, you're not going to be able to fix the state level right. issue with the, with the Brevard Charter. Correct. But I can point out the hypocrisy of saying 
only school board members can't be recalled. Uh, hypocrisy <laughs> is, their middle name? is a virtue. Yeah. It is a way that they express dominion. And I think, actually, that public defender Blaze Tredis cannot be recalled. No affiliation with Blaze Pizza. No affiliation with Blaze Pizza. Okay, Blaze Pizza is awesome. <laughs> Blaze Tredis is not. So yes. when he presented this, fine, make school board recallable. I don't have a problem with that. Like, I could show you notes I was sending people on the Charter Review three months ago saying, I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with them wanting to change the statute because currently to face a recall election, you have to be found guilty of malfeasance, misfeasance, felony, public drunkenness, all these other things, mental health. He wants to make it possible to recall school board members because you don't like the way they vote. There is not a single elected official in the state of Florida who can be recalled because you don't like the way they vote. What they want to do is they want to be able to recall our school board based on the fact that they violated a governor's executive order, which did not have power of law the day they did that. And that lasted for two weeks, that mass mandate, before the governor's executive order was declared law. That was a parental opt-out. But they also want to be able to recall your school board members because they have guidelines in place that teach teachers and principals how to follow federal law. So federal law, we shouldn't follow. A governor's executive order, we should. And you should be recalled for doing either one of those things. Yeah, Florida keeps forgetting that they're part of the 50 states yeah. and they are federal law supersedes whatever they say. They have not seceded yet. And our sheriff calls himself a constitutional sheriff. Well, only when it suits him. Yes. So today the school board discussed the millage possibility, which is also all the school board is asking is that we put it on the ballot for the November. The voters get to decide whether to approve millage or not. Now I'm going to be honest with y'all. I didn't know what the word millage meant. I'm like, y'all keep talking about it and thinking I know. I don't know. Here's what it comes down to. Property tax. It's an increase in property tax of about $100 for every $100,000 of your property's assessed value, which, by the way, is assessed at when you bought your home. My home would be assessed at what it was when I bought my house 26 years ago because we're a weird county. So that would be a very small increase to my property taxes. And the thing is, DeSantis and State Representative Fine are going to tell you that they are funding our schools at a level never before. Very Trumpy sounding thing. <laughs> And the reality is they are giving a lot more money to all schools, but they have also put in that so many requirements on how that money is spent. Our school board will have about $4 million that they can actually spend, which would give every teacher, if they chose to put it all into teacher's raises, which they would love to do, which would be, they'd be able to give every teacher about a $200 raise. <sighs> One thing that they've done, the requirements that they've put on them, they've increased starting salary of teachers which is awesome. Yes, that starting part teachers, is awesome. Awesome. But for every dollar they give a veteran teacher, they have to give a starting teacher a dollar and a half. Yep. Until that changes, it will, when we reach that threshold, be 75 cents still. So that wage compression between the 20-year veteran teacher who has fought this war with us, they're making the same as the people that are just coming into the field. Yes. Now, I don't begrudge starting teachers that, but the disrespect that shows the veteran teachers who raised these starting teachers is just horrific. And the state legislature, that's not your school board, y'all. That's your state legislature, have hamstrung your school boards and given them the inability to do that. So in November, remember, because I'm going to come back, and I'm going to say, let's vote for that millage approval so that our schools, if the millage goes through, the millage increase that the school boards are talking about, it's only homeowners and it's a tiny effect. And that money will go directly to the school boards for discretionary spending, which means they can put it in the hands of teachers. Now, if they get that millage increase and don't give teachers raises, 
Do not let them off the hook. Mm-hmm. Nope. But I'm here to tell you, they can't do it without it. Yep. And that's what's happening in Brevard County. That's the problem. District 2. Um, and I think on our next podcast, we are going to have another school board candidate. Um, the school board for District 2, Erin Dunn, is going to be our next guest. And she is amazing. Y'all are going to love her. Um, she's all about building relationships with our school boards and community businesses so that there is more of a connection and a more of a talent pipeline created, making our schools actually something that pays off in so much more than just educating our kids. And that's going to be pretty exciting. She's also a Noel, so go Noles. <laughs> so school boards, our main focus, and you'll hear from them next time. That's it. All right. So moving forward. This is what I've been wanting to cover for flipping ever. The school board? No. Not the school board. What you're about to talk about. Okay. This podcast is called Push Ahead, and our tagline is all about pushing the conversation forward, not pushing back. Until recently, I was of the firm belief that people who were brainwashed into the MAGA cult, the Red Caps, the QAnon, the the people who had a just an absolute diet of Fox News and OAN were beyond saving. Because there was no way, there was no technique that you could use to actually get them to evaluate. Because if you try to present facts that challenge their worldview, they will reject reality. To, to quote the amazing Adam Savage, who is not a Trumpy, he said, I reject your reality and substitute my own. Now, who is Adam Savage? Mythbusters. Mythbusters. Oh, thank you. I do know Mythbusters. Yeah. So, I mean, it hasn't been on the air in a while, but Adam Savage, great nerd icon. But his slogan is how people live, where they reject reality and they substitute their own. And if you try to confront them, they will get argumentative. If you try to persuade them, they will, again, reject your facts and refute those efforts. If you try to be accommodating and allow them to just be themselves, they won't ever get better because they have that steady diet of Fox News. And so just kind of ignoring it doesn't make the problem go away. So none of the techniques that I was familiar with were something that would work. And recently... Which is frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating. Makes for fun family conversation. Out of Europe, there are actual misinformation fighters. There are actual government-funded offices that were founded to prevent the spread of conspiracy and help people come back in. And what they're finding is that a technique, a therapy technique that came out in the 90s and was found to have huge success in alcohol abuse was found to also work for cults. And it's called motivational interviewing. And the basic premise of it is that you talk to people, you are friendly, you're talking sports, you're talking the weather, you're talking gas prices. You're being normal. You're being normal, you're being friendly, you're being approachable. You are relying on that old relationship that you used to have with them. But So I'm going to frame it in terms of a cult because I haven't figured out the final piece for Fox News. But for people who are in a cult, they're not off living in the compound and completely isolated. They're still in the process. They found that motivational interviewing was very helpful in getting people to take and evaluate why they were joining the cult. So imagine that someone was falling into a save the world, save the environment, animal rights cult. I like that cult. Yeah, I want to join that. (laughs) 
everyone everyone wants to join that cult because it sounds positive at the outset but as soon as you fall into a cult you are abused yep you are devalued you are taken advantage of you are essentially stripped of your personage you are made miserable because nothing you do is good enough but it happens so slowly and so gradually that it's not like you wake up one day and everything just sucks it's after months it's just everything sucks and that's how it's always been instead this is a way of reminding those people of oh it it sounds great that you are fighting to save the world and you are freeing animals and that you are really making a difference in the world and they sit and they go Over the past two weeks, I've done nothing but scrub plates and toilets and get paraded. Mm -hmm. I haven't actually grown any skills. I haven't gotten any better in my life. I'm not happy, but I'm reminded of what I thought I was. So there can be a moment of self-reflection in alcohol abuse. It's, oh, yeah, so your alcohol, your partying is making you really happy, right? You're really connecting with people. You're really having a good time. You're just taking the edge off. You're managing stress. And if you have an alcohol abuse problem, you're isolated from other people. You are more stressed than normal. It takes a drink to get out of bed in the morning. You're barely coping. And so it's a way of framing your current situation against the expectations And that moment of self-reflection can cause a real reach for help. Also, in the news recently, a study was done. People were paid to watch CNN instead of Fox News for a month. Right. Oh, you yeah, you brought this up in the oh, yes. Okay, what so happened? They were paid to watch the. So then there's the wonder: was it the pay that changed, or did no, they truly... no? They said that they became more questioning of what Fox News brought to the table. Mm-hmm. They had not just the oh, that's fake news because I don't want to believe it. They actually got a little bit more of their critical thinking back. This, this was done during the COVID waves, and so people were more likely to take COVID seriously as a threat, and they were also more. Likely likely to recognize that Fox News hid positive developments from Biden and also hide negative coverage of Trump. Right. And so they were able to recognize that after watching CNN for seven hours a week, being paid $15 an hour to do so, that their steady diet of Fox News wasn't giving them what they needed. They weren't as informed as they thought that they were. Yes. The piece that I haven't figured out yet that I would love to have some help with is what do people think that they're getting out of QAnon? What do people think that they're getting out of Fox News? Clarity. I think if anybody can figure out QAnon, Fox News, but QAnon is like, clearly this is not real. Right. John F. Kennedy is coming back. Right. And, yeah. and, but but I, I mean, don't understand what people think they're getting out of that. Right. And it's tough because I don't understand what people th- like. Like, yeah, I used to be a Republican. I used to tolerate Fox News because I thought that the personalities were entertaining and funny. I thought that I was getting, you know, kind of half of a balanced diet. I still consumed other news sources. I thought that I was being well-rounded. Okay, this we was getting... before we were ever dating. Yes, yes. Once and when time. you were getting news, you were getting it from a person, a real human being that you thought had some veracity to what they were saying. Yeah. yeah. QAnon, we can't figure that shit out. Like, that is a fake person. Whether we know yeah. who it is or not doesn't matter. The person taking this as their main diet of information is choosing to believe an anonymous source telling them that I so, drink dragon blood or something. Like, 
So here's the thing about motivational interviewing is that it is fighting back the urge to completely outright reject their view on reality. And instead, it is a chance to say, hey, oh, I bet that your QAnon is really giving you insights into what's going on. I'm sure that so many of their predictions have proven to be true. So in sounding all of these like dates. you're agreeing with that. Yes. So passive aggressive questioning. Yeah. It, I mean, granted, Women okay. should be good at this. It, it, yes. Yeah, I am. Yeah, no, I, I am king of passive aggression. But the Which way, is really an unusual trait. But you can't be passive aggressive. You have to really be affirmative yeah. of. And genuinely feel the feeling, even if you don't believe what you're saying. Yeah. You are agreeing with their original. And so someone who falls into the QAnon cult goes, okay, someone is really telling me what's going on behind the scenes. I am keyed into this deeper mystery. And nowadays, I'm sure that everybody is just as confused and just as unresolved as they were when they started. But because there's always another mystery, because there's always another LARP, because there's always someone hashing out previous drops that these predictions that if you can present that in a way that, oh, I'm sure that all of your predictions have really been accurate. They've all been coming true, right? That might be the way to say, to get them to think, huh, maybe this isn't the predictive gospel right. I thought it was. But you have to truly believe it because if you come across as passive aggressive and condescending, which yes. let's be real, we Dems tend to do. We do. Yes. Then we will completely, they won't hear they won't hear enough to make them question it themselves. They have to believe that you believe what you're saying. Just another right. elitist liberal telling right. me crap. The thing about Fox News, though, is that QAnon, it was a mystery that if people deciphered, then they would have insider information that was testable and predictable. None of those, none of those have really beat random chance. So none of those drops, none of those predictions have really turned out to be true. JFK did not get out of the plane right. in the airport. He did not go to Dallas. He did not show up in Dallas. I'm sorry, but JFK Jr. died tragically. Yeah, there was no basement in the pizza. Yeah, all of these things that we can snidely comment on and say, oh, oh, oh I'm so superior. Right. If, if you approach it with, hey, sucks to be you, they're going to be like, no, it doesn't suck to be me. Right. It's awesome and to be me. Which is understandable because you're making the question the reality. Right. Yep. So instead, the approach is instead of it sucks to be you, oh, ho, ho, is, oh, I bet it's so awesome to be you right. because of this thing you've got this inside to. info. You have this inside info. You must really know what's going on and you do it sincerely, then maybe they'll take a step back and go, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't have a better picture of what's going on. Maybe I don't have a better handle on current events by watching it through this QAnon lens. I'll tell you that from my experience, somebody watching Fox News doesn't make them evil. It doesn't make them stupid. And arguing with them just makes them dig in. Right. Yes. So with example, my father-in-law, who was a, a Trump supporter, he's been a Republican all of his life. It's a knee-jerk reaction. And one time I said to him, I said, you know, Dad, did you know that they're currently taking away the rights of an immigrant to earn citizenship through their military service? And he said, no, that no. And I said, Dad, it's in the Military Times. And I pulled up the article from Military Times, which is like not a far left rat, right. right? And they were like under Trump, they literally stopped. You could not. And they deported several people. Well, they what they did was they gave them an honorable discharge early 
so that they could deport them rather than give them citizenship. So they'd already served in the military for a, right. to, really close to their dime. And he was shocked and, and enraged. Now, I'm still sure he would have voted for Donald Trump in 2020, but it was enough to like make him open his mind a little bit that the th- his principles were in question. That is a really good example of the type of thing, because if you watch Fox News, I believe that their motto is fair and balanced, and they get their viewers to believe that they are informed. And in that moment, you were able to say, oh, hey, yeah, no, you watch Fox News. I'm sure that they're talking about how this thing you agree with isn't happening. Then that's an example of motivational interviewing where you have caused that moment of self-reflection that it's not the end all be all. It's not like their world is going to shatter and they're they're just going to completely change into a new person, but they might be more open to yes. future conversations. Yes. So it's it's a way to not directly challenge the authority of Fox News, but to make Fox News be a less authoritative source in their mind. Right. By agreeing with them. Yes. Yes. By saying, you know, Dad, you must be getting so much better news from Fox. Like I, I had no, I'm sure, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I'm sure Fox news is talking about blah, 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 blah. Right. If anybody has a way to use the motivational interviewing technique, if they have a way to successfully leverage it against people who watch OAN, who watch Fox news, I would love to know. I yeah. Don't let know. us know. Send yes, us please. Email. What's our email address? Pushaheadpod at gmail.com. Pushaheadpod at gmail.com. If, yes. Or you know, tweet at us, whatever, if you have examples that other people can learn from and use, I would love to hear it. Yeah. If you've had a success story or if you have a challenge yourself, let's talk about it. Right. While you're on Twitter, don't feed the trolls because as a final point, the people that you love and you have relationships in real life with, I mean, I'm not going to say that they aren't narcissists, that they aren't sociopaths. I'm not, you know, if you do have this in your life, my my heart goes out to you. If you have (laughs) normal people who fell off the wagon and are deep into Fox News, they are worth saving. But you know who isn't? Online trolls. So studies have shown that people who are trolls online are also trolls in real life. It is an absolute myth that people get behind the keyboard and they become another person. They are that person who is yelling at the barista at Starbucks. They're the people who are cutting you off and flipping you off on the highway. Yeah, like you said, they're assholes in real life. Okay, hey, 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 hey. (laughs) On the highway, I take offense to that. So... (sighs) (laughs) Sorry. So, but, you know, they are people who genuinely enjoy disrupting people and getting a rise out of people and they carry that online and the reason that the trolls that they are in a much higher concentration in is for actually two kind of complementary reasons is the first is that trolls are drawn to places where there is public strife so if there's already a little bit of a disagreement, if there's already a little bit of drama, trolls will seek out those places and then they will move into the second reason by getting people riled up, by getting people angry, they are driving normal people out of the conversation. If right. every time you comment, right. someone people, bites yeah. your head off, 
no one's going to comment anymore. And the only people who are going to show up and comment some more are trolls on the other side. So, it's also how they get people not to run for office. Right? Yes. They just are awful to those people. And they're like, I don't want to run for office. Right. And so, yes, it is a suppression technique. It is a way to control the conversation. And so these trolls move into online public spaces and they dominate it because normal, nice people don't want to be there anymore. They get pushed out. And so these real life a-holes, you know, if someone is an a-hole in the bar, they get kicked out of the bar. If someone flips you off on the highway, they drive away. If someone is yelling at a barista in Starbucks, they eventually leave. But if someone is a troll... In an online space, they they're get to a hang- troll forever. They get to hang out in that online space as long as it is interesting and as long as it gets them the attention right. and reactions that they want. So, as if you have an online space, if you have, and everyone who is on Facebook, you have your own online space. You have the comments that people can leave on your wall. Mm-hmm. You have your visible friends. You have the groups that you are in. And if you are an admin or if you have a Twitter feed, the best way to handle these trolls, the best way to handle these people is not motivational interviewing because these people will not have that moment of self-reflection. They are getting exactly what they want out of this interaction. Their dopamine is going bing, 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 bing. They are are loving life. And I love what you said when you're in your notes, when it says, if they're a-holes online, they're probably a-holes in real life. Yes, they are. (laughs) And you know, here's my thing about social media. It changes now, but I've always thought of social media. It's a social media. Therefore, it's like an online cocktail party, right? Mm -hmm. So if you would walk into a cocktail party with a bunch of people, some of whom you know, some of whom you don't, and let somebody pick a fight with you and scream back at them, then by all means, do that on social media. But if, however, you probably wouldn't because it would be rude and you let them like make a fool of themselves and you'd walk away or diffuse the situation, then we should probably do that more. Right. And so the most effective measure against these trolls is deplatforming. Yep. If they don't have access to cause trauma in a space, they won't cause trauma in that space. So how do we deplatform them? So if someone is making comments on your wall, delete it. Delete the comments. Don't reply to the comments. If you feel that you absolutely have to reply, reply to your audience without requoting the original message. If a person says, uh, for example, I can't believe you voted for Obama. He wasn't even born here. Instead of saying, look at this guy. Look at this comment. What's that? He doesn't believe that. Yeah. So, no, I don't. But if you want to elevate it and say, look at this guy, look at how stupid he is, there might be a couple of people in your audience who would read that comment and go, huh, that kind of makes sense. So instead, if you really feel like that that is stupid and you feel like that that is something that you have to address, then what you can do is you can instead put out a message that says, oh, it's great that we have an American president who was the child of an immigrant who was born in Hawaii and has managed to rise to great heights. Despite all the racism. Despite all the racism. And so what you're doing is you are using your platform to spread the truth without giving trolls the platform that they deserve. And if they want to come in at that message and they want to argue, just delete the comment. Yep. Don't even reply to it. Delete the comment and delete everyone arguing with them because it is your platform. Back you to control the discussion it. of it being a social media site. Right. It's like if somebody came into my house and started throwing trash all over it, 
I would just have them leave. You yes. can ask and then anybody I would clean to up leave. the trash. Yes. Yeah. So it's the same thing with social media. It's I, online I, cocktail party. I delete, block. There is lovely friend controls where I have a list of people that if I'm posting political, I click that lovely list and they don't see it. So it is oh, just a reminder. It is yeah. just a reminder that as a U.S. citizen or as a resident of the United States. The First Amendment doesn't hold you back from blocking people who right. comment on your posts. Unless yep. you're an elected official. Right. Because then you are the government. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trolls. Bad. The thing is that you've lost as soon as you engage. Yep. So yep. Don't be a troll. Don't be an a-hole in real life. Don't be an a-hole online. So what do we have going on? What's coming up? So right now, the Dems are reaching out to the 3,000 or so new Democrats that have registered as Democrats within the recent past. So we're reaching out to them to welcome them to the community. We have cards made up that tell them all about the things that we do and how to find us at BrevardDems.org. And we're doing that on a precinct level. We're hoping to build neighborhood teams because that's the only way we're going to make a dent this fall. That's what Obama did. And that's what we do well, is really knowing our neighbors. So that's what we're doing. If you're listening to this and you'd like to be a part, reach out. You can reach me at pamela.castellana at brevarddems.org or probably easier, hello at brevarddems.org um, so we can connect you with your area. Also, we are, our next meeting will be this Wednesday night. Um, and that is the fourth Wednesday of the month. As always, it's going to be April 27th. And we are going to be meeting in the county commission chambers in Vieira in the government building. Come, you're going to hear some new candidates. And our gala is May 21st. What is your gala? Well, let me tell you. Every two years, we have a huge fundraiser. And yes, elections cost money. I hate that they cost money. I, they cost way too much money. Thank you, Republicans. So they do, because we want to be able to support our candidates with mailers and with tools, with technology tools, with texting and all the things. Our work is all free, but we do need to be able to pay them and keep the lights on in our office. So... Our gala is May 21st, and it's going to be at the Space Coast Convention Center in Coco. $100 gets you a great dinner and a chance to hobnob with quasi-celebrities. $150 gets you access to candidates beforehand as well. And if you need an angel ticket, we can probably make that happen too. Just reach out and let me know. It's going to be great, fun. We're going to have a silent auction. We're going to have an actual auction auction. I'm auctioning chow with a chair where I'm going to cook dinner. Tell her you want her cookies. You want my, oh, that's right. I do. You have had my chocolate chip yes, cookies. Yes, I have. Yeah. So I have to, maybe I'll auction them off. I don't know. Whatever it takes. Um, that's going to be at Space Coast Convention Center. I know that the party chair for the state, Manny Diaz, who is an amazing man, former mayor of Miami, he's going to be there, going to be giving some remarks. And I'm hopeful that at least one of our gubernatorial candidates will be in attendance in person as well. And I hope to go there. And if you find me, I might actually give you a flamingo pen. Maybe we should have a secret password. We'll come up with a secret password before then. So Jamie's giving us the weirdest look right now. The, the, <laughs> password, sure. the password is, are you those weirdos with the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So make sure you let us know that you listen to the podcast. And I'll send you to Shelby and if you haven't already found her. And she'll have a flamingo pen for you because you're our flock. Yes. And we can explain the flamingos then. I want to have enough so I can call you our flamboyants. It's a group of flamingos. <laughs> It's called a flamboyance. Nope. So, uh, well, we're a group. There's three. There's three of us. We're flamboyant. We're flamboyant <laughs> flockers. Yeah. So also, <laughs> we are going to be giving a new award, the inaugural Bill Nelson Award in Leadership, and that has already been selected. The winner is going to be Jennifer Jenkins. 
who was awesome for the, for the courage that she oh, displays. Oh, spoilers. In no, she already knows. The, <laughs> the, this is the kind of award that you tell the person about in advance. She's going to be receiving the inaugural Bill Nelson Award of Leadership in Community Service because she really takes such courage on in that role. And then we have our volunteer award, which has not been announced. I do know who the winner is and I can be bought. So I'll see you guys <laughs> May 21st, seven o'clock with bells on. Yes. Maybe close. I don't know if I want to go with a bunch of weirdos with bells on. <laughs> anyway, so uh, get out there, do some good, make a difference, and email us if you like what we do. At pushaheadpod at gmail.com. Here we go. We are seven months from November. Let's do it. Thanks, guys. If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco.